Well, hey, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to Cultivate Church Online. If you're our guest, man, we're just honored that you're here with us. Thank you for tuning in. We're in week two of a series that we've called Family Feud. Family Feud. I know you've seen that game uh, before, and it's, incre- it's one of our favorite shows to watch on television, my wife and I. It's always a lot of fun. And all month long, we're just talking about the family unit and all things relationship. We're talking about dating and uh, marriage and family relationships with kids. And uh, today, specifically, we're going to be talking about that pre marriage season. Uh, week one, last week, we dove in and uh, we talked about how or maybe why relationships rather aren't necessarily going well. Why are they struggling? We said this, that it was God's design all along for relationships to happen. We see it in the very beginning. God created everything, and and everything looked great, except he said it's not good for man to be alone. And so he created a helpmate for Adam. He created relationship for mankind. And we even see it in James chapter 5, verse 17, where it says to pray for one another, confess to one another so that you can be healed. We're supposed to do life together. We're not supposed to be alone. We're not lone rangers. We're not supposed to be loners in this world. God designed it in such a way that we would find healing through one another. Salvation comes through Jesus. Healing comes through people, relationships. So if that's the case, why are they so hard? Why are relationships so difficult? If you're tuning in today, come on, you have to admit, at some way, in some way, form, or fashion, you've been through difficult relationships. Maybe it was a uh, in your marriage. Maybe it was a relationship with your kids. Maybe it was some dating relationship in the past. Maybe right now you're in the middle of a very hard relationship, a difficult season of life relationally. In week one last week, we talked about how that it's probable because you're spiritually incompatible or emotionally incompatible or aspirationally incompatible. Maybe that you're not, maybe you're not on the same page spiritually. Maybe you're not on the same page emotionally. Maybe for whatever reason, you guys are just going in two different directions. Your aspirations, your dreams, your hopes, they just look different uh, for whatever reason. And and if we're ever going to be able to um, get together, if we're ever going to be able to honor God relationally, it's best that we line up spiritually, that we line up emotionally, and certainly that we line up aspirationally, that our dreams and hopes are going in the same direction. And then today, if you've got your notes, you can pull those up there online. Our title of today's message is Good Answer. If you've ever seen the game, you know that that's said often. Even in some of the craziest answers, everybody likes to celebrate. Good answer, good answer, and hopeful that it'll be up on the board. And today, I just want to share with you three things, uh, uh, an answer, three things that I think will be helpful as we consider walking into relationships, as we consider strengthening our relationships. Here's what I want to tell you. If you're single, we're going to set the groundwork for the rest of your life. Matter of fact, I would say don't even begin to go on another date until you begin to apply what you learned today and what we talk about. If you're in in marriage relationship right now, I would say let's just pause. If you're married, what we talk about today, I think, could 100% change your relationship for the good. So I want us all just to lean in, to take notes, because the things that we're going to discuss, I really do believe, can change the trajectory of the rest of our lives. A New York Times columnist, David Brooks, wrote this. He said, young people hit puberty around 13, and many don't get married until they're past 30. 
That's two decades of coupling and uncoupling, hooking up, relationships, shopping around. This period isn't a transition anymore. It's a sprawling life stage, and nobody knows the rules. Once, young people came a-calling it as a courtship. They had dating and going steady, but the rules of courtship have dissolved. They've been replaced by ambiguity and uncertainty. Cell phones, Facebook, and text messages give people access to hundreds of friends, but that only increases the fluidity, drama, and anxiety. What's he saying? Nobody knows the rules anymore. Nobody knows in what direction to go, what angle we need to take it at, where do we need to be, what, in what direction do we need to be walking. You know, the Bible tells us, this is our theme verse in Amos chapter 3, verse 3. It says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? No, we know it's an implied answer. Absolutely not. You're, you may be walking at the same time. No way you're walking together in different directions. And what David Brooks is saying in this article is the reality is nobody knows what direction to even walk. The rules of society have shifted. They've changed. There are no rules. The rise of ambiguity and uncertainty in relationships have pretty much guaranteed that anxiety, depression, and drama will always be a part of the dating process, of the relationship process. Come on, that's not a good thing. That's a horrible thing. No one knows the ground rules or even how to play the game anymore. We're literally in on the back end, I would say, of even this swipe right generation, this confused culture as it relates to dating, marriage, and relationships. So what do we do? Here's what I know, that if we continue to play by the newly minted rules of our culture as it relates to dating and relationships and marriage, we'll only continue to see the demise of a solid God-honoring relationship. It'll become non-existent. That's the goal of the enemy. Did you know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy? We've said this, if, if God's goal for humanity is relationship, if God's goal for humanity is community, if salvation is found in Jesus but community comes, but healing comes through community, don't you think that the number one thing the enemy would love to destroy in your life are relationships? Don't you think that he would love for, for you to be confused and, and not know what to do and not know which way to go and to blindly feel your way through relationships in life and make wrong decisions and bad decisions and shameful decisions and then you spend the rest of your days thinking what could have been, what might have been, what should have been because you just didn't know what to do. Maybe you're there. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've made those decisions. Maybe you're in the process now of walking through what that looks like. It's the goal of the enemy, to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've got good news today. Jesus said on the back end of that verse, but I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. And no matter where you are in your relationship journey today, maybe you have never dated, maybe you're entering into the dating atmosphere, maybe you're, maybe you're married, come on, maybe you're on your third marriage. Maybe you're previously married. Maybe you're walking through divorce at the moment, at this moment, in this season. 
I can tell you that there is nothing that has happened or that ever will happen that Jesus can't restore, that Jesus can't redeem. It's why he said, even though he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, I come to give you life and life to the fullest. Jesus can speak life into any circumstance and any situation. So here's what I want us to do. I'm going to pray, and I want us to lean in, and I'm going to give you three things that I believe can change the game for you. It's changed it for me, and I believe it can change the circumstance that you find yourself in. If we'll lean in and if we'll apply what we hear from God's Word today. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your presence. That right here, right where we are, come on, in this room, in their homes, driving down the road, wherever they're tuning in from, Father, I believe with all of my heart that the power and the presence of God is there in the midst. And so, God, I pray that you would do what only you can do, that you would perform spiritual surgery on our hearts. God, that whatever season of life we're walking in, whatever relationship season we find ourselves in in this moment, that we would begin to take your word, apply it to our lives, and see it do more than we could ever think or imagine according to your power at work within us. So, Father, do what only you can do today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, answers are on the board. It's a good answer. Number one, you need to know before you step into anything relationally, you need to, number one, you need to know who you are. You need to know who you are. See, what I've learned is far too often we identify ourselves by the mistakes that we make instead of the work that Jesus did for us. We tend to label people by what they do or who they, uh, what they've done. In other words, Whenever you meet somebody you knew, knew, you go, hey, what do you do? And they tell you what's their career or, or, or what it is that they do for a living. And we label them instantly and forever they become that in our minds. Or we also label people by what they've done to us, mistakes they've made, offenses that have happened. In other words, if somebody's uh, ever told a lie, they're always going to be a liar, depending on the level at which that offended you in that moment, right? If they've ever cheated you, they're always going to, you're always going to feel and struggle with that emotion. Murderers, somebody's ever killed somebody, they're a murderer. Somebody's ever gossiped, they're always going to be a gossip. Cheaters are always cheaters. It's just, it's humanity. We, we, we give people labels based on how it's, how it's affected our lives. And forever, someone carries that label. We label people forever based on what they've done. But aren't you, aren't you glad to know today that that's not what God does? you got to know who you are before you can ever move into a relationship with anyone else. And here's what the Bible says about it in Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 16. It says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For the spirit, his spirit, joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Come on, who am I? I am a child of God. The Bible says it this way in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we're God's children. Check this out. Because they didn't recognize Him. They didn't understand who He was. Why? Because we are labeled and we label based on what we see not what God has done. 
Four years ago, we purchased the home that we're living in right now. And uh, a few months into uh, moving into that house in 2017, my wife, if you know the kind of vehicle she drives, it's a tank. It's this huge uh, expedition. And she was learning how to pull in and out of the garage in our home. And it's kind of a tight fit, so you, you know, especially with a big car. So you've got to be uh, cautious as you pull in. And, and that particular day, she was pulling in, and she... She pulled in just a little too tight, and she bumped in the mirror. And I was like, no, stop, don't back up, back up. So she backed up, and she readjusted, and she attempted again. And wouldn't you know it, she went into the wall again, two times in the same instance. She pulls her car in, and this time it caved in the running board on her vehicle. And at that moment, we were like, all right, everybody stopped. She got out. And you know my driving record. It's not the greatest. But in that moment, I was like, get out. I'll do it. I backed out. I readjusted. We got in safely, except the damage had been done. And can I tell you, there's not a time that we don't pull into that garage that I probably don't ask, hey, you want me to do that? You want me to pull in? What's done was done. She's never done it again. But it'll be a label that we think about forever. And that's the reality of our lives. So many of us, we, we, we identify ourselves by the mistakes that we've made. We identify others by the mistakes that they've made. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we are now what scripture calls born again. The Bible says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, that all of those that are in Christ are new creations. All old things are gone. So today you need to recognize that who are you? You are a child of God. If you already don't know who you are, culture will label you. If you don't know who you are, someone else will tell you who you are. But here's the great news. When you know, you know. And you can set the standard for who you will begin to allow in your life at that moment. Until I know who I am, there's no ground rules. There's no rules to play by. And I don't know who to allow in an appropriate distance in my life. But once I know that I am a child of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he calls me his child, I know now who I will begin to allow in and out of my life. So number one, you need to know who you are. Number two, you need to know what you're worth. You need to know what you're worth. It's almost impossible because we don't know who we are and we label ourselves by the mistakes that we make. And because many of us, even now, tuning in today, many of you have labeled yourself by the mistakes that you've made and you don't feel like you're really worthy of anything good coming in your direction. Maybe you're in a, a difficult relationship and you have begun to believe that that's just what you deserve for whatever reason or another. And we don't carry the worth that, that, that God's places on us. We value ourselves based on the mistakes that we've made. Everybody, everybody seems to kind of walk through life in that, in that vein. Maybe you would know this today. Everybody, all of us, have something of value that we would say is valuable. Maybe you have some valuables, things that are valuable to you that just aren't valuable to anybody else. I know for me, I've got some erasers that I keep in my desk at home and and these erasers are, uh, I was on a, tr uh, a date with my daughter when she was five years old. We were here in town at an arcade, and um, we spent way too much money in this arcade. 
because she loved it. I'm beginning to learn that my, I feel that my daughter may have a gambling problem because she loves not just the video game, she loves playing games for tickets. And she loves earning those tickets and, and, uh, and, and, and leveraging the, the coins that we put into the machine to get as many tickets as she can so that she can go and get the prize. And this particular day, we spent way too much money uh, leveraging, trying to get as many tickets as we can. And we get up, and I don't know if you've ever been to an arcade, but it's always they've got these incredible, awesome-looking prizes up on the top shelf that are absolutely impossible to get. And this particular day, we had spent $65, a lot of money, at this arcade. But it was time with my daughter, and we were having a good time. And I remember going up. Everything was great until we went to the counter, and they counted the tickets. And literally, we walked out of there with two suckers and two Christmas erasers. We had a lot of tickets. I would say we had a lot of tickets that day. It was not worth the two suckers and the two erasers. I could show I could show those to you and you would not value them the way that I value them. For me, I keep them one, it's a reminder that hey, you can spend way too much money in seasons just for just for fun, but it's also a reminder of a time that I just had a great time. It's it, it's a reminder of time with my daughter. And for me, it's invaluable. There's really uh, there there aren't many things that I won't do to be able to spend time a valuable time with my daughter. It's a value to me. It may not be to you. We've learned that something is only as valuable as what someone is willing to pay for it. Last year, maybe you're a football fan, Patrick Mahomes, he's the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. They just played in the Super Bowl, albeit they did not win it this year. But he signed a 10-year, $503 million contract. Let's just break that down for a moment. He's the highest paid athlete in history as of the signing of that contract. That breaks down to $50.3 million a year. It breaks down to $137,808 an hour. Come on, somebody. Per minute, that's $96 a minute. He earns, because of this contract, $1.60 a per second. Every second that ticks, he earns another dollar and 60 cents. $503 million. And check this out. Here's what's even crazier. Just by signing the contract, when the contract was signed, if he never played another down, if he never actually got to play, he was guaranteed over $150 million. To me, that's the craziest contract ever makes no sense what can be worth that for a sport but something is only as valuable as what someone is willing to pay for it now i know that money doesn't buy happiness but it can buy an awful lot of other things right we'd all like to try that out and we realize that the kansas city chiefs valued this particular player more than anybody else they were willing to pay top price to make sure that he was there. He is going to be the face of the franchise for the next at least 10 years. That's their hope. That statement, something's only worth is what someone's willing to pay for, it sheds a whole new light on the gospel, doesn't it? You see, the Bible says it in John chapter 3, verse 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. 
I'm not naive to think that there are people tuning in today who see no value in themselves. Who because of your past mistakes and your past decisions, maybe your past hurts or maybe your past abuse. Maybe it was a relational abuse. Maybe it was in a marriage or maybe it was in a, a dating relationship or maybe it was a family relationship and you have, you have walked wounded through your life and you see no value in you. Can I tell you how dare we stand in this moment, where we are in the shadow of a cross, a bloodstained cross of Jesus who died for us, knowing that God so loved you that he was willing to give his greatest price so that we could be in relationship with him. How dare we talk about how invaluable we are? How about this? How dare we walk into a dating relationship and accept anything less than the value that God has already placed on you? You are worth more than you think you are. I know this, that your value isn't determined by the mess that you've made but by the, uh, or out of your life, but by the price that Jesus paid on the cross for you. You need to know who you are. And once you figure that out, you need to know what you're worth. You are worth far more than you think you are, than the value you've placed on your life until this point. Before I say yes to another date, do I know my worth? Before you say yes to another person, another guy, another girl, do you know what you're worth? Some of you need to end a dating relationship right now. Come on, right now you're beginning to think. It's the, the, the light bulb just hit. You just said, you know what? You're right. Brandon, you're right. I'm worth more than that. You need to end that dating relationship because they don't value you like the Father values you. They don't value, they don't, the value that, that you know, that the, the worth that you know that you have right now is not being represented in the relationship that you're in. Some of you need to walk in the room this week and remind someone of your worth. Come on, if you don't know your worth, don't expect anyone else to respect it. You carry the value. You carry the, the, the label. Know who you are. Know what you're worth. Number three, do what you know. Come on, three things I believe can change the game. You need to know who you are. You need to know what you're worth. And here's where the rubber meets the road. You got to do what you know. The Bible talks about it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Leading up to this point, to this passage of Scripture, Jesus is talking to people and he says, you are worried about your life and so many things. Come on, culture teaches us it's all about getting. It's all about getting the right thing, wearing the right clothes, having the right car, getting the right job, hanging around the certain kind of people, the right crowd, the popular people. Getting everything has to be just right. And we spend our lives chasing just the right thing. i got to date the right person and marry the right person and have everything just right. And Jesus says you're worried so much about everything that you're going to get. And Matthew 6.33 says that, that we should seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give us everything that we need. I love the paraphrase of the message version of this whole passage of scripture. I'm going to read it with you. It says, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you? Do his best for you. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. 
But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will, God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. I love what he said. I'm not trying, what I'm trying to do is get you to relax. Stop being so preoccupied with getting that you can't respond to God's giving. What's he saying? Don't, breathe, don't be so preoccupied with you going and getting out, you getting everything that you've got to get, that you can't respond to his favor on your life. Culture says you got to get what you want. Nobody's going to do it for you. you got to get after it. Look after number one. It's completely opposite of what Jesus is saying. Jesus says you don't have to. It's not about what you can get. It's not about what you can go do. It's about what God has already done. Know who you are. Know what you're worth. And do what you know. If you'll work on being who God wants you to be, he'll give you who he wants you to have. I believe that with all of my heart. Stop looking for Mr. Right and start being Mr. Right. Start looking for Mrs. Right and start being Mr. Right. Do what you know to do in your own walk, in your own faith, and God will provide everything you need. Stop trying to change your spouse and start trying to be a great spouse. Stop trying to, to manipulate and move and force everything and start just being. Come on, if I'll be who God's called me to be, he'll give me who he wants me to have. A child of God, completely forgiven. Come on, you're loved unconditional. You're valued beyond anything in this world. Can I tell you, if you'll start walking that walk, I promise you the right person will come along. You'll never have to walk through society and culture like what we read just a few minutes ago. Where everything is out the window and there are no ground rules and nobody knows which way to go. Can I tell you that's not God for your life? Here's what I know. The Bible says this, that God knows you and he knows his plan for your life. Life. Jeremiah says it this way, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Today I want you to know that that hope and that future, that's for everything. That's for your career. That's for your family. It's for dating. It's for marriage. It's for your life. He knows your plans. The Bible says it this way. He causes all things to work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So today, my hope is for you to know who you are. Before you step into another dating relationship, can I tell you, begin to invest in your relationship with the Father. Realize your value before you step into another dating relationship, before you dig that hole deeper in your marriage right now, you need to begin to understand that God loved you more than anything ever else on this earth. The highest value he'd ever placed on anything was mankind. That's you and that's me. There's nothing you could do in this world that would make him love you any less or any more than he already does. He already loves you more. 
than anything else on this earth. He gave you Jesus. And as a result, we have an opportunity to have relationship with Him, the Father. And once I know who I am and once I know my worth, once I know my value, I can begin to walk that out. And my challenge is to you today. Stop looking, stop seeking, stop hoping, stop, stop trying to manipulate and make your own way. You start being the right person and God will send you who He wants you to have. And can I tell you, God's gift for you is far greater than anything you could dream up on your best day. I want to pray with you right where you are. Maybe you're here today and you would, you would be honest with yourself and you would say, Brandon, that's true. That's me. I've not known who I am. I've, I've been playing by culture's rules. It's literally been this swipe right culture. It's all, it's all been about what I want and how I need it at that moment. It's all just been about me. And I need to learn who I am in Christ. I need to begin to learn who I am. I realize today that God loved me so much more than I even loved myself. I realize today that I'm valuable beyond anything I ever thought that I was. And today I'm ready to lay all of that down. And I'm ready to pick up Jesus. And I'm ready to start being who he's called me to be. I'm going to do what I know. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right where you are. Father, thank you for your grace, for your goodness, for your mercy. Thank you, Father, that, that I, am, I can declare today that I am a child of God. God, your word reminded me today that you so loved the world that you gave your only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I'm reminded today that you see more value in me than I've ever seen in myself. Come on, right where you are, you can repeat those words. Father, forgive me for living life on my own, for making decisions in my own strength. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to rescue me from my sin. I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. And from this point forward, I'm going to follow you as my Lord. Today, I recognize who I am in Christ. Today, I recognize my value, my worth. And I'm going to begin to do what I know. I'm going to begin to walk out my faith. I'm going to begin to seek first the kingdom of God. And Father, I'm through trying to go get. I am, I'm ready, Father, to receive everything that you've got for me. So I'm going to seek first the kingdom. And I'm going to trust that you're going to bring everything in your timing, in your will, in your plan, my way. And God, you're going to get all of the glory and all of the honor for it. In Jesus' name.